Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. I got Kid Presentable here. Hey there, everybody. Got DJ Mark here. Hello. We don't got Lavender Gooms. Now, those of you who are regular uh, listeners of the podcast, first of all, I love you, and I'll buy you a sandwich if we ever meet. Cheap sandwich, like six-inch sandwiches. Subway. Subway. All right, come on. Come on. Well, we got to treat them to Ike's if they're in town. Yeah, No, Ike's is like a $12 sandwich, man. This podcast I makes know. no money. Got a lot of sandwich inflation in the Bay Area lately. <laughs> Whatever's the deal of the day for a six-inch sub where you get a $2.50 sub, we got you. Um, anyway, um, we told Mike, as he's the only one, God bless him, uh, with Fight Pass, that he should watch this and give us his notes on the event. And Mike, to his credit, did. But then his family showed up, and Mike uh, couldn't join the podcast. So um, here's our analysis for UFC Fight Night London. Um, I didn't know what was happening until Mike started talking about the the in the group text. Anybody else with me on that? <laughs> well, yeah, he he was kind of talking. I I knew it, the card existed, <laughs> but he was like talking about the main event at like four p.m. our time, and I just remember yeah. like this fights right now, and I'm like, oh, I guess it's in London. That makes sense, kind of. But yeah, I yeah. think it was kind of forgettable when they announced it, and it's not really available to us anymore. So, like you said, easy to forget. Um, credit is due, though, to Alexander Volkov, because man rolls into the UFC heavyweight division and wins four fights, and I know all these people. He beat Tim Johnson, uh, Roy Nelson, Stefan Struve, and Fabricio Verdum. Man, winning that many fights in heavyweight divisions fucking impossible normally, and this guy's done it all over people at least that have some level of name value. Um, so, Marcus... Um, I know we're waiting on DC to fight the champion, and I know I we none of us will be able to pick Alexander Volkov out, out of a lineup at all. Is this guy getting a title shot if he waits around, or is he going to have to see him fight one more, you think? Uh, I mean, he might need to fight one more just because, like you said, it looks like the champion's kind of tied up. Mm-hmm. So to stay active, I think one more makes sense. I think him and Nagano make sense, right? Um, except it would kind of suck if Nagano won. It kind of kills a contender. Well, but... we got we got Nagano news because Nagano's out there on the, today saying he wants to well, fight. Wishing. He said he's he wants to fight. Hands and knees no, no. And first saying, he said first he said he wants to fight Black Beast Derek Lewis. That's that, that's his reasonable pick. Which, by the way, if we're not booking Black Beast Derek Lewis versus Francis Nganu, we're not having enough fun in MMA. Like, let's make this shit happen. But he also said he wants to fight Brock Lesnar. Which, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm I'm a hundred percent in for that too. So. But anyway, sorry, you were talking. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I and I think those names you just brought up outside of Brock, which is, you know, we'll see if that's realistic. I mean, he has, I guess his time is coming up, right, on his suspension, and he's becoming a free agent. May or may not return to the UFC. That's all, you know, things we'll have to wait and find out and see if he does return, which would be great. It would, you know, really put a spark in the heavyweight division. But, you know, with the cast of characters that we have right now, I think the three guys that you mentioned, um, Nagano, and then Derek Lewis, 
I think, uh, you know, Alexander's kind of right in there. And I think he makes for an interesting matchup. Um, none of us caught this fight. I literally just watched some dude's two-minute highlight reel. Um, not a ton to take away from that. Actually, I didn't know it went four rounds. Hard to tell from you know, watching highlight reel. It but- seemed like a lot of people were trying to figure out if this meant Verdum is slipping or this guy's actually good. It wasn't really clear. And, and that's kind of what I was wanted to get more or less, you know, assessed from the highlight footage. And I didn't really get that Verdum is done, that he couldn't hang with this guy. From what I saw, like Verdum took him down repeatedly, um, but really wasn't able to, you know, utilize the jujitsu really well. Most of the highlights I saw, and again, you know, this is, it's really tough to break on a fight when you're just seeing, you know, the clips. Um, but it looked like he was, he was more successful with the ground and pound than advancing positions. A lot of the, the footage I saw was him in the guard, um, you know, doing some good work there. He landed some good elbows. He cut Alexander open, but um, it was really on the feet. It looked like Alexander found some success early on with a right uppercut and he continued to go in there and it looked like, you know, later into the fourth round where they got into an exchange, uh, Verdum, you know, definitely looked a little tired and uh, Alexander was just, he had, a, he had more variety to his strikes, but consistently went up to that uppercut again and again. And that's what he ultimately found success with. He dropped Verdum um, and then finished him on the ground with some good punches. So yeah, I, I, What's fun about this is that, you know, the heavyweight division has been really stagnated for a long time. And some of the up-and-comers have already kind of gone by the wayside, right? Like, Kane is kind of a non-factor at this point because he's so injury-prone. And um, Juno Dos Santos just hasn't really stuck around. He's lost some big fights, and he hasn't had that staying power. He's got to be so hurt also, huh? I mean, and, and, he, and, he, and he gets hurt too. So it's nice to have guys like um, uh, Alexander here and Derek Lewis and Nagano kind of revitalizing the heavyweight division, right? Because it was getting kind of stagnant. So to have some new blood in here, and even though we don't know a ton about this guy, um, you know, I, I did, you know, to give myself a little bit of credit, um, I remember him in Bellator, and he did pretty well there. I think he won a tournament. I don't know if he ever got a shot. I don't can't remember if he held the belt or not. He might have at one point, but he also dropped a couple of he fights did. and wanted to check Congo. What's he that? Won the, he won the belt. He won the belt. Okay, I thought he held it for a short amount of time and didn't really sustain himself, but... We've, this guy's been on the radar for a while, but he needed a big win like this, right, to really um, get himself in the in the conversation. So good on him. Um, another note from this card was that the UFC took an opportunity here to do a, do the scumbag move, where they uh, canceled Bradley Scott's fight, and then didn't want to pay him any of his money, and then everybody who could ripped on the UFC, so they gave him part of his show money. And none of his Reebok money, which isn't even called Reebok money anymore. It's the money you get for completing all your promotional activities, which he had done. Um, so never UFC never missing an opportunity to act like a bunch of fucking scumbags to their fighters. So that's worth mentioning. And every UFC fighter should probably sign up for Project Spearhead. Leslie Smith is trying, God bless her. Because fuck, man. They don't have to give you anything. Oh, well I, I think that's kind of the thing, right? Like... At one hand, we have to, you know, it's shitty of the UFC to not pay dudes that are doing everything in their power to make weight on time to show up for the fight. But it's, it, and I don't want to put a ton on the fighters because it's really on their managers. Like, who's signing these documents where you don't have like a I fulfill all my duties? I see. Get the Marcus, paid. this is this is why I like you. You lead me into being able to shit on Ali Abdelaziz yet again because Ali Abdelaziz good at hooking you up with a bunch of dictators. And apparently they're looking into how exactly this dictator is paying Verdum. So if I'm Verdum, maybe start putting stuff in your mama's name. Now is about the time to do that. Um, yeah, man. MMA managers. It's like 
there's a reason people go with this dude because like he's kind of just gets you to the UFC. They just uh, Nick Newell just signed with Ali. That there's a good indication he's going to get into the UFC. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, that was just a UFC pulled some bullshit like they always do. But they don't have to, man. They don't have to do anything that's not in the contract. So, Stefan, um, Jan Blockowitz, Jimmy Manawa. Apparently, it was a fun fight. I guess it's just worth mentioning that Jan got a big win here for himself, huh? Um, biggest name, I you know, as Mark might say, biggest scalp he's claimed that I know of, you know, because I, I was saying when we were chatting about it a little earlier is kind of Manawa's kind of occupying that four spot. You know, it's a distant four, right? Uh, you know, clearly the Gustafson, DC, comma, John Jones, if he ever returns. And um, to an extent, uh, no time. They kind of just seem like a maybe a notch above, but you know, kind of, you're seeing a little bit of a revitalization in heavyweight, but at the same time, for all that time, it's like, the contenders are the contenders, whether you think they have a shot or not, and at least Manuel was that, right? He was a, potentially a fresh contender for DC. They've had some heat um, in the past when we thought they might uh, collide, but it uh, didn't come to fruition, and now it's a little further away, so um, congrats to Jan. Like you said, uh, from I, I didn't get to see it this fight in full, but it does seem like they had a fun scrap. It seemed like Manuel showed some heart, uh, seemed like he was cracked early in the first round. Um, he made a fight of it, it seems. But uh, yeah, Jan was the best, uh, better man that night. Um, shout out to Cajun Johnson, man, fighting that good fight, tackling all of the UFC's issues, speaking his mind. They sent him to fight in remote parts of the world, and he still gets the job done. As much as I like Stevie Ray, you know, preferred him to Booker T, quite frankly. But a big win for Cajun Johnson here, uh, keeping uh, keeping it going because God knows if he loses a fight, they're gonna cut his ass. That shit's happening. Um, yeah, there's no card until um, UFC 223, which I think is great, quite frankly, because UFC 223 is fucking awesome. Um, that's the Tony versus Khabib card, which if that falls through, the we'll call it the Rose versus Joanna card. Um, you got Pettis and Chiesa on there. Uh, you got uh, Aya Quinta and Paul Felder. Carolina's fighting Felice Herrig. Uh, Ray Borg, Brandon Moreno, Joe Lazan on there, Evan Dunham. There's a whole bunch of motherfuckers on this card. It's a really good card, and it gives an opportunity for us to get excited for it. So um, I hope you guys like us just rambling about shit, because that's what this show is going to be. Um, something I wanted to talk about, um, and Marcus, I'm going to let you be the arbiter here, because they we keep hearing stuff about Mayweather and MMA, and I keep saying it's not real. And Marcus makes the good point of saying, man, I said that you, I said the other one was real. It wasn't real. And then all of a sudden, it was a real fucking fight. So, Marcus, you are going to be the arbiter of when we need to start talking about this fucking fight. Connor versus Floyd versus anybody in MMA. When do we start talking about it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, really, when we talk about it, um, yeah, I do bring up that we, we thought the same about Connor and Floyd, right? It, it, and it's still, even to this day, just it's mind boggling that it even happened. You know, it was just like so many things had to work out perfectly to that for that to come to fruition, and it did. Um, I think the Mayweather thing, it's interesting and it's fun. Uh, and I joke that he should fight CM Punk because I think that's just, you don't even, that's a pay per view right there. You don't even have to have a title fight on that, that pay per view. Just have those two guys. People will say it's a joke. But you'll did, get your. Did you hear the new, uh, right? the, the new, the new hot uh, choice is now no longer CM Punk. For a week it was CM Punk. Everybody says Floyd should fight CM Punk because people are okay. having fun with this. And now it's Nick Newell. Oh, uh, I mean, oh, uh, I, I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> but I, the CM Punk thing, I just, I, I personally think he has a lot more juice on it. But I, I think Bobby, I mean, 
why it's easy to discredit this, and I think it's completely fair, is that, you know, Floyd wants the big paycheck, right? And the UFC just doesn't pay the kind of money that he's used to. So it's really hard for at least me to fandom that he's so interested in getting into MMA and trying this out that he's willing to take a significant paycheck. I mean, like... Probably not even. I mean, 10% he, they'd have to, he, he would have to be. He would. They would have to do the same thing they did before. It'd be a co-promotion thing where the UFC ends up giving yeah. a big chunk of. That's the only way they would do it too. Let's be yeah, clear well, about this. I, they would a hundred percent do this shit. But like, Stefan, this dude's forty-one years old. He doesn't know how to. Ball, doesn't know how to wrestle. Even even though he said he's a seven out of ten with wrestling, which apparently he's counting his WrestleMania match with Big Show as his wrestling training. Uh, he can't kick. Can't stop anybody from kicking him. Can't stop anybody from wrestling him. He's a perfect. He's a perfect boxer. He's never lost. He has nothing to gain here, short of money. Unless this dude's got a big tax lien. Man, do you see this shit happening? <laughs> um, oddly enough, uh, I actually see this more likely than Brock Lesnar. In my opinion, I don't think Brock's coming back. It's, okay, it's weird if Brock came back. Like it's, I, it's one of those things. It's just because. You know, you you talk you 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 mentioned the, the dictator and the Delazies, um, and I think they could find money for this because they they found half a million for James Tony. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure he probably got points on that as well. They found money for James Tony. They'll find money for Mayweather in this, especially WME looking for big paydays. Um, I think they can generate that. But fuck, pe- people need money, man. Uh, like this is completely no one's gonna understand this but like there's a big drama i've been kind of following in the esports league and it's these players that are getting banned because they've been boosting point being people got to make money and you know they have, a, they, have guy, a, they have a the ufc has a bad a lot of money he's also th- blown a lot of money so rich people always want to make more money if there's one thing i know about america it doesn't matter how rich you are you always find a way to need more money. You got to squeeze that penny a little harder. But um, yeah, I, I, in terms of the matchup, I would love to see Newell. Um, sure, the CM Punk thing would be fun. It's just, it's be so freak show. I kind of don't want Connor because I feel like Connor is going to try to throw a couple fancy kicks. He'll miss and then Floyd will crack him with a punch. And I mean, somehow Connor will Stephon, lose an MMA match. Stefan, just to be clear, I mean, I'm, I'm coming into the point of view that Floyd Mayweather is a loathsome human being. And has made much of his career on the fact that we all want to see him get his ass whooped and it hasn't happened yet. I'm in my head trying to figure out which is more embarrassing for him. Because while we know Nick Newell is a very talented fighter and would wrap CM Punk up like a pretzel in three seconds. For the general public, would Floyd Mayweather getting his ass whooped by a professional wrestler that's 40 years old? Would that cause him more embarrassment or him losing to a gentleman with only one arm? It's the arm. Um, yeah, I Nick think Newell so too. was a big, it was the big, he was a big source of topic, uh, on like, you know, the beat and everything. And I understood all the arguments they were making is like us as MMA fans who have seen Nick Newell, who knows career, know he only has one loss to an incredibly legit thing. None of that matters to the casual art audience. All they see is one arm. It doesn't matter how much we know this man is a credible, credible fighter, you know, is if Nick Newell takes a beating, the common person sees like, oh, that's so unfair. How could you let him do that? You know, like the best audience is not going to come in educated about it. They're not going to try to educate themselves about it. All they'll see is the surface level thing, which is missing. So in terms of like what we the be the bigger thing, it's that just because it's for the same reason 
that people believe he's not in the UFC is because there's just a certain element to the casual audience that it's going to look weird. Because I think the casual audience, they're not going to know CM Punk that much either, to be honest. I mean, look, let's be honest also. Floyd's not doing this if it's not Conor McGregor. That's the whole point of this. What, what are we? That's why he would do this. Whether and we want to Conor McGregor not. doesn't like to fight divisionally relevant fights anymore. It all it all checks out of the boxes. We'll get oh, this John I'm, Jones and Brock Lesnar in a nice like end of 2019 run. I think Brock. I, I disagree with you on the Brock Lesnar thing. I think he's definitely fighting again. Personally, I we'll see. I hope he does too, man. Part of that's hope. I like Brock. I hope he fights again. Um. So another thing that's going around is this shit where Michael Bisping wants to he wants to get a retirement fight in possibly um and you got luke rockhold out there saying he wants to fight michael bisping at 205 pounds which seems real weird you also have luke rockhold saying he wants to fight alexander gustafson um michael bisping himself saying he'd really like he's not going to turn down a fight but he would really like to not go into his final fight with a whole bunch of michael bisping in it which is just a bunch of animosity, which is weird considering we've all known that Michael Bisping can turn any fight into a blood feud. Like he found a way to talk shit with Talis Lightis, who didn't say anything. Um, I personally want Michael Bisping to fight Vitor Belfort. I think that'd be really appropriate, but he doesn't want to do it because he says I wouldn't. He says if Vitor Belfort was on fire, I wouldn't pee on him to put the fire out. So there's that. Um, let's just go with this. Um, I'm coming from the position, Marcus, where I would l rather we end up with Luke Rockhold and Michael Bisping ended up 1-1 against each other, and they just exist in a world where they just keep insulting each other for the next 30 years, and Michael Bisping just fights somebody else. Um, what do you? What would you like from Michael Bisping's final bout? Do you? Does that third fight interest you, or what do you want to see? Um, I mean, it, it does kind of interest me. I mean, they both have, you know, I, I, I think the Twitter thing going back and forth is building interest in the fight. I'm interested in the fight because at this point, you know, beforehand, if they were going to, you know, run it back for a third time, I would be like, oh, Luke's got this. Like, the, the last fight was a fluke, but now that yeah. we've seen him get crumpled twice, I think it makes it more interesting. It gives me more of a, like, maybe Luke doesn't have a lot left. Um, so I think that's interesting. And I think he was also talking about fighting Leoto. Um, you know, I, I don't know. If I like that one too. Hmm? I like. I, I don't want heat. That's just me personally. Because in my head, I'm he's fighting in that Liverpool card in May, which we'll talk about how good of an idea that is, quite frankly, with Darren Till headlining at home. But I don't. I mean, I know this is Michael Bisping, and I've always been the biggest Michael Bisping fan on this podcast. And part of that is because I think he can find it, make find a way make, to make any fight promotion interesting. But I kind of want like a Michael Munoz, uh, uh, Michael Mark Munoz situation where dude just wins, and we all thank him for his contributions, and he moves on. That's me. Didn't Munoz win his last fight? Yeah, he beat the shit out of that big tall dude, Luke Barnett, all over Manila. Okay. He whooped his ass all over that damn Well, arena. I mean, <laughs> if that's the outcome we want, then I don't even know if Leoto's a good... We can get someone more... Uh, uh, what was that guy's name you just said? Well, I mean, look, okay, even if he loses, I want him to be conscious is what I'm getting at. Wake up enough, be okay enough that we can at least like I enjoy think, this. I think if he lost to Luke, it would sting more, right? Like, that's his last fight, and this guy that he seems to have like a legitimate beef with beats him. I think it would sting a little bit more, but if he fought Lyoto, there's no heat. He loses, he goes out, you know, waves to the crowd. It's very cordial, and, you know, there's not any animosity afterwards, but there's animosity with the Luke fight. That's what makes it interesting. 
So I, I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, whatever Bisbing feels like he wants to do for his last fight, I think is what he should do. If he doesn't want to fight Luke, don't fight Luke. Or if he doesn't want to fight Belfort, don't fight Belfort. This is your last fight. He's got to earn the right. Yeah, fight the guy that you want to, you know, go out on, you know, if if feasible. And if that's Lyoto or whoever else it, it may or may not be, then I, I think do that. But, you know, if, if he's not going to fight Luke, then stop engaging with him on Twitter because that's just – that builds more of a case for the UFC to be like, no, nah, we want you to fight this guy. because It's mostly, be- in fairness, Luke's the one trying to push for this fight at this point because Luke wants a win and Luke's pretty sure – Luke said he would retire if he couldn't beat Michael Bisping. Which, again, I'm with you. I'm not so sure Luke wins, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's the same thing. But, like, yeah, people can tweet at you all you want. If you don't respond, there's no heat there. Him responding is what's giving the match heat. And if he doesn't want that match, just be like, look at we had our tussles, and I'm going to have my last fight against someone that, you know, I want to really test myself and not against someone who crumbles. You know, just also, I also don't think there's anything Michael Bisping can do to top what happened in his last, in the second fight. Because while they're one and one, Michael Bisping knocked him out in three minutes, took his belt from him. He's not going to do anything more impressive than that. Yeah, it's like almost it's, it's almost like when they ask. It's like my thing when they ask Connor to fight Aldo, and everybody's just like, "Man, he knocked him out in thirteen seconds. What the fuck do you want from him? Like, well, how is he going to top that on some level?" Um, Stefan, I want to come to you more so on the other end of the Luke Rockhold thing, which I kind of think Luke Rockhold fighting Alexander Gustafson is a really, really, really bad idea for Luke Rockhold. Because I think he would get his ass whooped. Um, what do you think about that potential matchup? Uh, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, it's it's a type of... It's a situation where um, I don't know that a weight change is really good for him in this case of going up because his big weakness right now seems to just be striking defense. Um, he gets hit. Uh, he gets hit harder than he can hit back right now, and it's just just the you know the way nature and physics work. Those bigger guys are just going to hit harder, you know, generally speaking. So um, I wouldn't like his chances. Gustafson would have Gustafson's got freaky reach, you know. The really only guy who compares is John Jones, and John Jones never struggled with a guy until he fought a guy who had reach like Alexander Gustafson. It's not to say that Luke isn't capable, because again, he's talented across the board, but you be very nervous about it because he's hittable and Gustafson's got a very precise jab. So, um, you know, I, I like that Barbosa and Cerrone fight. I'd love to see someone get knocked out with a jab. It's, it's fun when that happens. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't necessarily love it. I, I don't like that matchup for him at all. Quite frankly. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you also is I know we've been talking about Darren Till on and off for months. Like what the hell's going on? We got to get this guy a fight. Um, I personally love them booking him in the main event. He doesn't even have an opponent yet, but he's going to main event this Fox show in his hometown of Liverpool. Um, I'm kind of envisioning this needs to be like a Connor in Dublin type thing, right? We got to give him a fight. He can probably win, right? Like he should win. Against Bisping? Sorry. No, no. Uh, for Darren Till in Liverpool. Oh, Darren Till. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, the we're waiting for him to really fight that top three, right? You know, Darren Darren Till is he's kind of in Robert Whitaker mode a year ago. Um, He's just just, looks like the truth. He just gets a big, but if he can get like if they give him like because I know they booked Connor in Dublin, they booked him against. um, It was originally what's the name of that dude? Uh, Dunham, I think. 
I think Evan it was Dunham. Evan Dunham. And then Dunham got hurt, and they replaced him with um, Brandau. And both of those fights, we were all pretty sure Connor was going to win. And I kind of want that for Darren Till. Because I know he, like, he's very like, – he's he knocked out Donald Cerrone. He's going to be a big deal. But I really think him, like, him, being, him having a huge win at home in front of his people would just be an awesome site for them to build off of. Don't you think? I agree. We, I, well, I was, I think one of the big points that kind of come back to a lot is, you know, the UFC learning how to book events, make, you know, Stipe looks like, like a goddamn star when you put him in Cleveland, you know, like it's don't make it the UFC show. It's not a, just a traveling show. And it doesn't, you know, like the whole thing is like, why was Kevin Lee not fighting in Detroit when he was like fighting one or two weeks before that, you know, like you have these situations, it makes the crowd more into it. And it makes the fighter look better. It's like, it kind of seems like promoting one one So the fact that I got to see the, you know, that he's going to, it's Liverpool, right? Yeah. The fact that they're giving him Liverpool, that's going to be awesome. You know, and I mean, they booked him in the main event without an opponent. I think it's a pretty good indication what this show is about, too. We're fighting the uh, the bald TBD guy. Yeah, exactly. Who kind of just looks like Tiago Alves. You know what? You want to give him Tiago Alves. Alves? I was going to say Tiago Alves would work as an opponent. What do you think? If you want to create some highlights for Darren Till. I mean, isn't Darren Till like six foot five or some nonsense at one seventy? Like Tiago Alves, he just wanted to fight another six three welterweight who had like ten inches of reach on him. I mean, Marcus, what do you think? What do you think, Marcus? As uh, we we got to get Darren Till. I'm not saying a gimme, but let's give him one. He can go out there and you know look good in front of the hometown. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm all up for a squash match, but um, okay, not squash, but well, I mean, that's literally what you're saying. Is like, let's give him yeah. someone that we know he's gonna win, probably. <laughs> I mean, okay, <laughs> real quick for the point. I'm not saying we need to do that. I just I just chime in. Is like I would understand if that's the route they go. The fight I want is Wonder Boy. I want Wonder Boy and Tills. Oh, that's that's that in Liverpool. He got to get knocked out in front of his friends, and we never hear from him again. I I would not take Wonder Boy in that fight. Okay, I'm not saying I would either, but that's real dangerous. That's yeah, like so really dangerous. I mean, what else is Wonder Boy doing though? He he's clamoring for a title shot that no one wants to give him. No one wants to give him that. Right. That's so you fair. basically want to split the difference, right? Not someone as accredited and, you know, a, a tough a task as Wonder Boy, but not someone that there's no interest in the fight whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's some guys in the division. Sure. Uh, it's just who's going to, you know, who makes sense to, because I think when you do. Gunnar Nelson. That's what, what I want. I want Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson. I think that's good. I think that makes sense. I think that that's not a can, right? That's someone that. And it's in Europe, too. And it's in Europe. It makes yeah. they can sell tickets on this dude too. <laughs> yeah, I think that fight makes sense. And there's probably some other ones that I can't really think of right now. But uh, yeah, it seems like it's kind of more of a coming out party. And the UFC is all about making stars. And I think they've gotten better at you know uh, matchmaking with guys that should put up somewhat of a challenge, but ultimately get the outcome they want. Um, and that seems to be what they might be doing here with Till. But we really won't know until they they, they book that other opponent. And um, I think Gunner's a good choice. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think some people said Masvidal, but I guess Mas that would be a incredible. That'd be fight. a tough one. That's a little. But, but, uh, more but Jorge, I, I think Jorge is a little is booked. I guess is the thing. I think the key above anything they do is not Covington, not someone who potentially just grounds him. Yeah, he ultimately needs that test, but I don't think now is the time to do that fight. So I think that's the one you don't. want. Those are the kind of content, potential contenders. I'd say you keep them on their own tracks. I um, I've, someone wrote an article about Covington, like about his whole shtick. And I don't really talk about Covington ever because I find him a loathsome character in MMA. But the article was interesting. I forgot who it was. But basically making the point that, like, this shtick he's running, the Chael shtick, 
doesn't work if it's not at all charming or like even funny. You know what I mean? Like he just comes off as a dick. It doesn't work if you're just a dick. I disagree because why disagree, Bobby, is every week you say, I don't want to talk about Kobe Covington and decent at this point. Stefan brought him up, but every fucking week we bring up this guy we talk about how much we hate him so it's not working in like the fact that we're not he's not getting booked he thinks he's getting he thinks he's getting a title shot and he's just he hasn't fought in four months and no one's even no one wants to see him fight anybody no one wants to accept a fight with him tyron woodley straight up won't fight him because he's like this guy's an asshole i'm not gonna give him a title shot just because he's an asshole like it's not working he's talking and he's getting the headlines like i i I, we none of us like what he's saying what he's doing or thinking it's working but like there's a reason, like almost every any time I go to MMA fighting or any MMA, you know, websites, there's some story about him. Like the dude, as much as you want to hate him, like he's constantly in the headlines, and that's impressive in and of itself. You know, if he's so unappealing to us, why do we keep bringing him up? That's my only question. Well, the if guy's like number ranked. He's ranked like number. Himself, he's ranked. Why are he's we ranked talking number, about him? He's ranked number three. We kind of have to bring him up when we bring up this division. It's well, worth mentioning. I think all these things are factoring in. I think every week we talk about how this guy is not marketable and he's just a big idiot, but we still talk about him. And it's like, it's almost like the Trump thing, right? Like if you're talking about him, he's kind of winning in a rate, right? Like he does stupid stuff. He goes to a pro wrestling show and does some bullshit, but we still talk about it. So it's like, is it not working? I don't know. Okay. I don't think it's working. Marcus disagrees. Regardless, Stefan, um, I stand by. I agree with what you're saying. I have no interest in watching him fight Darren Till. I kind of like this notion that no one will fight him and the dude just never gets to continue his career. It if seems like everybody's weird, like, I don't want... If there's a weird fighter blackballing of this guy for the rest of it, I wouldn't mind that. But I, I agree like with everything you're saying about the shtick. I mean, but I, I, I think uh, I'm not... It might be working. Mark. Like, it might be working. I don't know. <laughs> working in terms of having your name be known as an entity, but like, it's... I mean, maybe for some people it isn't, but I, I agree with your point of it's kind of the wrong kind of heat. You know, it's, 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 yeah, but it's a thing you just see in the, in the copycat world, right? When everyone wanted to copy Connor, you saw the ones who were actually clever. You saw the ones who were dumb. And Covington is just one of the ones who's dumb. Like, yeah, this is just kind of, you're just kind of an asshole. Like, there's nothing clever about what you're saying. You know, like, we could see that Chael was stealing jokes from Aziz and Sorry. Like you yeah. could straight here hit the blatant ripoff, but you're like, but that bus I stuff. I know what you're going for. You're the bus stuff was funny, man. The bus stuff was funny. He's ripping off superstar Billy Graham. I don't know. My favorite part of this coming thing so much thing so much is that uh, Woodley keeps calling him Queefington, and he's committed to that nickname. Like he won't call him anything else. That I'm just more impressed with Woodley's uh, commitment to a not great joke. Well, that's, I mean, that's Tony Ferguson. Uh, I, I actually liked that. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was both Luke and Ariel that made a jab at it. Uh, <laughs> Tony Ferguson is committed to calling Conor McGregor McNugget. And yeah. Ariel and Luke at various points were like, do they think that's a good dig? Do they really think that's clever? Like, I don't think that's that good of an insult. And that seems to be his go-to. So, um, yeah, some people like dumb nicknames. They- there was uh, There was something with Tony and Conor. Where Connor, he Tony was doing his usual yelling at shit. Uh, like he Tony's in all caps half the time on Twitter. That's the thing, man. Connor can be a real easy bad guy, but Tony is not a likable person. Like he's an excellent fighter, but on social media, he's just a dick. 
And like he put this tweet out about like fuck you, fuck you. This is literally his tweet was calling Connor a bitch. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And then Connor's response was, "You're a sad bastard, mate." Like it seemed like Connor was just looking at Tony's Twitter like, "Jesus, what's wrong with this guy?" <laughs> like, calm down, man. I don't know. That's I we kind of veered off course there a little bit, but yeah, that um that was uh, something that stuck out to me. Um I don't know what else fucking happened this week. Um, we haven't lost Khabib versus Tony yet, which is nice. Uh, there was an interesting story that caught my eye as a, ah. just a human interest story within MMA. Um, and that is uh, seven-month pregnant Misha Tate fought off a Kane Corso that was attacking her dog. And uh, she's oh, got I the saw that. to show it. Um, yeah. She got bit up a little bit. And um, I don't know if you know what a Kane Corso is, but those are massive, massive dogs. If you don't, If you're not a fan of Atlanta... In which case, uh, Earn tried to make some money uh, on them puppies. Um, You know, if you picture like a Great Dane Mastiff, they're one of the biggest breeds. So, um, yeah, those dogs are like over 120 pounds and they can take you down. So, so Misha Tate, she's got a tiny little dog as you'd... I was going to say, Misha Tate's got the dog you think... Yeah, you'd imagine that Misha Tate has a dog you think she has. It's, uh, (laughs) if you picture her carrying it in a purse, that's exactly the type of dog it is. But, um... You know, to take that on, you know, hey, I, I know dogs are like kids. They're like family. You're going to fight for them. But doing it seven months pregnant, that is ballsy and a risk unto itself. So, um, yeah, Misha Tate. I've been I've said mean things in the past, but ultimately I like her. And, you know, props on you, Miss Cupcake. Yeah. Um, I want to make a comment on Ben Askren real quickly. I'm going to preface this by saying we all like Ben Askren. Um, these Mike and I mean Mark and Steph, I think are probably bigger fans of him than I am. But I've been, I mean, I'm, I watched his one FC fights for the love of God. I mean, I was watching those things in the morning. Um, this Ben Askren fighting GSP thing, um, I don't get how we're on week like three or four of this conversation because that Stefan you talked about you think Floyd fighting MMA into you and like fighting in the UFC or whatever is more likely than Brock coming back I think Ben Askren fighting in fighting GSP is less likely than Floyd Mayweather fighting in the UFC like I don't even know what the fuck we're talking about here um oh, can oh, Ben Askren so bad though I uh, do I dude I like Ben Askren a ton Ben as Askren a, be- as one of the captains of that Bellator fighter is legit uh that outside the UFC fighter is legit and, you know, that train has derailed with Hector. It had fruition with Alvarez. But, um, God, I want Ben Askren in. Look, but, like, look, I mean, we, I think we all do. But Ben Askren, maybe not just himself, but him with the efforts of Dana White not signing him, removed himself from our consciousness on some level for a while there in 1FC. And then he retired. It's worth mentioning they still own, own his contractual rights. So I don't know what we're doing. Like, can either one of you, like, What's what like he was on MMA hour today and I got to imagine Ariel isn't just like he has to think something might happen. Like what are what the fuck's going on or is it just nothing's going on for the next month in MMA and we're going to talk about this. Either one of you, you guys got anything because I don't again, I'd love to see Ben Askren in the UFC, but I don't know what the circumstances were. He's fighting George St. Pierre because that's the only guy he wants to fight. Yeah, I don't really get it either. I don't because there's, there's no heat. On that anymore really i mean because at one point he was bellator champion and he was you know i think technically he's still undefeated right did he ever yeah he got a, he got that no contest in the fight where he i think he put a no contest bunch. yeah a loss. 
Yeah, so, no, it wasn't going well, but he no, he it yeah. wasn't like he was definitely about to lose. So I mean, he, he was, has that going for him, but he's not in like the consciousness of like the average. GSP is also not the champion. GSP is not the champion anymore. His teammate Tyron Woodley's the champion. That's who he should right. want to fight. He's he not going to the best. I thought he wants to prove he's the best. I think he just wants to fight GSP now. I think that's obvious, right? So I mean, I, I okay. I, and I, I don't really get. I don't get why Errol has him on his show. It's like if you're gonna get out of retirement and want to, you know, fight in the UFC, that's a different story. But I didn't even know that he was still had fights under his contract with One FC. That's a whole other hurdle he'll have to get across. So I don't know. Kind of like the Covington thing. Like, why do we give these things? airtime you know like why do we talk about things that i guess you can also talk about floyd i guess there's sometimes they're fun and exciting and i think with floyd i see the fun in talking about that and then with kobe and ben Askren, it's just like why are we even doing it at all because like ben Askren, it doesn't make any kind of sense there's there's like five moves that have to happen before i can even potentially start getting excited for that fight and i'm not there yet yeah i just i don't i don't know what we're doing again i like ben Askren quite a bit but jesus what this is seems so far from reality. It's like so far from reality. Um, all right. Um, I don't know what else happened this week. I saw Tony Ferguson say that Kevin Hart has Kevin Lee has a very small heart because he lost to Tony Ferguson, which really just seems like an unnecessary slam on a man, quite frankly. And then Khabib said some more nonsense how Connor would have to earn the right to fight him. Which somebody has to explain to Khabib what happens to his paycheck if he fights Connor compared to what he gets for fighting Khabib. Just, I feel a quick two minute conversation with Khabib and all this Connor has to earn the right to fight me stuff, fight me stuff goes away real quick. Um, you guys want to do, um, Memoirs of a Fight Fan? Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, was this, whose idea was this? Was it yours, Mark? Correct. All right. So Mark has put out the idea of, uh, most shocking upset. And I want to put this out there before we get into this. Upsets are kind of tough because you almost don't know it's an upset until uh, we get a little farther down in this dude's career. Like, um, Frankie Edgar over BJ Penn the first time, Stefan, I'd say was really fucking shocking to me. Um, but it just turned out Frankie Edgar was really good. So... Don't know if that's an upset or not, but uh, Marcus, let's go with you first here. What do you got? Uh, yeah, I had two that kind of stuck out. Um, the first one, and I think in this upset kind of in hindsight doesn't really make as much sense, but at the time it, it was it was shocking to me. It's when Fedor uh, beat Big Nog the first time because I didn't really think this Russian guy had much of a chance. Um, at the time, Nog kind of was the unstoppable guy. You know, he seemed unpenetrable. His... He had the best stand-up in heavyweight. He had a you know a really crisp boxing game, and on the ground the dude was just deadly. And he had fought in a bunch of different guys with different styles and had dominated them all. And I mean, Fedor came in. He had a couple good fights. He decisioned uh, Semi Schultz. He grounded and pounded him, and then he uh, ended up stopping Heath Herring in the first round um, just due to you know the ground and pound strikes and him not being able to continue. Um, but going into that fight, I remember talking to. It was on some MMA video game board, and I was talking to some guy that was working on the um, the Pride FC game for PS2, and I asked him who he thought was going to win the fight, and he told me he thought Fedor was going to win. I was like, man, this guy's making a fucking Pride video game. He's an idiot. And then, lo and behold, Fedor goes in there, you know, blasts him out, you know, vicious ground and pound, uh, you know, changes the whole landscape. Uh, so that one was shocking for me. And the other shocking one, um, again, in Pride, 
in the same heavyweight division was when uh, Kevin Randleman stopped uh, Mirko Krokop. It's kind of in that same oh, that guy's. Awesome. Yeah, Krokop was becoming this unstoppable beast. And, you know, for Kevin to, to win that fight, everyone thought the only way he was he had to get him on the ground. He had to be able to get in north-south position, somewhere he'd be able to utilize knees and really hurt him there. No one thought he'd be able to, you know, finish him standing. And, uh, you know, one left hook changed the world. Um, not enough for Kevin Randleman. It, it, it definitely jump-started his career a little bit, but that guy can never really get on two feet long enough to really get much going. Um, but he'll, still a shocking, um, you know, upset. And one of the ones that I think a lot of people that, you know, were around at the time uh, will always remember. Yeah, so... Um... As Mark mentioned, we got to go with what happened at the time, I guess, would be the best way of not knowing what was going to happen in the future. Um, I'm going to read our predictions article from UFC 193, Rousey vs. Home, because I wrote this, and this is what I said about Rousey vs. Home. This was a matchup that we all expected to see one day, but probably all, all, now think this, all, all of us now think is happening too soon. Honestly, there's no amount of time we could wait for me to think that Holly Holm has a snowball's chance in hell of defeating Ronda Rousey. This isn't meant to diminish Holly's skills. I like how I couched my criticism there. Um, she's a talented striker. That's won numerous uh, boxing championships. That being said, she appears to be lacking knockout power in her hands. Well, that didn't matter. Um, that's a serious problem. Her path to victory is winning three rounds, and that's just not going to happen. Realistically, she's getting tossed ass over tea kettle very quickly. Ronda's the best female fighter in the world, period. She wins this fight by submission in under two minutes. So I was fucking shocked when that didn't happen. So <laughs> I'm going to go Rousey home. I didn't see that shit happening at all. I was not mentally ready for Ronda Rousey losing. Um, Yeah, I also wanted to point out Matt Sarah beating GSP, which while I wasn't a huge fan at the time... I think still holds up as the biggest upset in UFC history. I think. Um, Stefan? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have a few I wanted to mention. Um, I, I understand your point, Bob. Like, context and history changes a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, so, you know, sometimes it, it comes down to the moment, you know, and so, usually time gives you context to those big upsets. Um, and one of my prefaces of that is, well, we were there when uh, Fabricio Verdum tapped Fedor. You know, yeah, in hindsight, this was the beginning of the end for Fedor, right? This was when you hit the wall. But that's the thing about those all-time greats, right? We don't know when the wall is coming. And we don't ex really don't really expect it to come until it slams right in our face, right? And, mm -hmm. I mean, at the time, I did not see it coming. I thought I was going to see the unstoppable Last Emperor continue his train. You know, it was a joke. When he tapped, it's like he didn't know how to tap. It's like Fedor himself was was unfamiliar with the concept of losing. You like his hand kind of paused. It gave one tap, and you're like, "Oh, oh I guess this is it," you know. Um, and another one that was just also incredibly shocking. We talked about him a lot leading up to this, and it, I thought it was gonna. If we had segued sooner, I thought it would have been perfect. But um, Michael Bisping beating Luke Rockhold, I was Woo. flabbergasted. You, you guys, I was at a wedding. You, you know guys why? were texting Bobby, me. We context. <laughs> Luke Rockhold <laughs> smoked the shit out of Michael Bisping, you know? Like, he just rolled him over with a topside guillotine, and, like, he sprawled out. He, like, flexed on him. Like, that was the that was the greatest performance of Luke Rockhold's life, you know? It was even cleaner than his, his win over Chris Weidman. And so it's one of those things. We had context going into it. I, yeah, I always made the argument Michael Bisping's a good fighter, but he's not quite the champion. He's the, he's the perennial bridesmaid, you know? Like... We had context. Oh, yeah. That fight shocked the <laughs> hell out of me. And um, maybe this one doesn't count, 
And, you know, history is, there's a lot of history to be written, I suppose, but um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to John Jones, a man that could not get out of his own way, and he found a way to keep surprising me. It really was a fool me once, you know, shame on you, fool me twice, thrice. God damn it, John Jones, stop popping for positive on all these damn tests. Um, you know, like, I made the argument that he's the greatest fighter of all time. I still make the argument that he's the greatest fighter of all time, but I understand every argument against it because this man can't get out of his own way. And, like, maybe now I'm finally where Mark is, where he's got to prove me wrong. Like, I'll, I'll expect failure, but for whatever reason... I was blinded by the greatness and I kept letting myself believe that, okay, he's not dumb enough to do this again. Okay. He's not dumb enough to do this again. After all this, he can't still be dumb enough, but you know, uh, so that's maybe that's not the classical definition of an upset, but in a way it is. So, I mean, I mean, we're just, we're just now at the point where we're going to say all the other ones we like too. So let me give another one here. Um, this one stuck out to me because I bought this pay-per-view by myself um full you know i was gonna say full price i pay full price for all my pay-per-views um full price for ufc i don't know tj dillashaw versus hennenborough won because i that shit blew my mind because i honestly i, I mean retrospect people are gonna like shitting on the hennenborough is one of the pound for pound best fighters argument that the ufc trotted out but motherfucker was like he was one of the best like two three fighters in the world he didn't lose for like 10 years he was on a 35 win streak. And I didn't know TJ Dillashaw doing what he did to him was even like, like if I looked up TJ's move list, I didn't know any of those moves were on there. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like if you were playing in like, I don't know, NBA 2K with like, like mugs, like oh, John Stockton and all of a sudden dudes, dudes doing windmill dunks. Like I didn't know TJ Dillashaw could do any of that shit. And he ran a clinic on Hen and Brow that, I mean, at the time, was just an insane achievement to me. I just couldn't wrap my head around it, and that was one that stuck out to me. Marcus, do you got another one? Uh, yeah, and it um makes sense because we're leading up to the rematch. But uh, Joanna Champion and Rose was another huge upset. I mean, so much so that um, and I, I think I said it last week. I, I'm still not super comfortable picking Rose again. I, again, mm. like I picked her the first time. No, we all picked Joanna, and, and she kind of had that same aura as um uh hen and Barrow, right like it seemed like a foregone conclusion that no one in that division was going to be able to dethrone her until we saw something more out of them and i don't think any of us really thought rose had much of a chance and we definitely didn't think it was going to be you know standing it would have to be on the ground with some kind of slick submission that we've, we've seen rose produce before but to go in there sit in the pocket get left hooks off and finish her standing um and, and you know it, ultimately on the ground when she ground and pounded her out um was really impressive and it's one of those things that even now, like they're running it back, and I'm still like, I still kind of want to pick Joanna. Rose can't do that twice, can she? And that might be a huge stupid thing, you know. It reminds me of uh, Aldo, Frankie Edgar, but on the exact opposite spectrum, right? Um, to have to not believe someone could do it again, but uh, yeah, that was just that was remarkable, right? I did not think Rose had that kind of power in her and to, to go in there and, and go into that fight with all the head games and kind of be able to push that stuff aside and to get the win in the fashion she did. It was truly impressive. Steph, um, when Anderson lost to Weidman the first time, I think we all recognized the possibility of Anderson losing existed. For a, I mean, everybody can lose, but ever since the first Chael fight, we all kind of knew like, Anderson's going to lose eventually, probably, right? 
But did you not feel when it finally happened? And like, I know we were in that fucking Raider bar in San Leandro. And I paid like $14 for a Jameson Rocks in a fucking plastic cup. But I remember like still, I was still like, it was almost like I was in a haze afterwards. Do you get my feeling? Like it was weird. I agree it was weird to see it, but I will not say I was surprised a little bit. No, no, it wasn't I, a surprise thing. It was just like weird almost. This is just me tooting my own horn. I remember my analysis on it, and I fully believed Weidman could win, really had a legitimate shot to. I just didn't have the courage to pull the trigger in the pick, you know? It was really one of those situations. But I just remember, after I saw that counter elbow on Mark Munoz and just the precision of it, I said, this guy is the realest contender that Anderson Silva has ever had. You know, um, when it, it was it, why I think part of the cloud on us was it was such a weird win, right? It was it was mm. it was semi fluky. It was the whole I'm feigning dancing that I'm hurt, and then oh, I actually got punched for real when I was leaning back for no reason. So it was just such a weird had a again fluke. Not that it was fluky, it just had a fluky vibe about it. So you were kind of like you were left just feeling confused. It didn't feel super clean. It just felt like Anderson was dumb rather than like Anderson was broken, outclassed. It's just like, yeah, you got too cocky. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the biggest upset in terms of betting line in MMA history was when Sokaju knocked out Hogerio Noguera. That was surprising. Yeah. Nonetheless, I don't. I mean, it was a huge upset. It's just. One of those things that still the biggest line still like all right. <laughs> you know, did you see that fucking Connor and Floyd? Connor's only minus one thousand. Like that's just a solid investment, man. You got ten percent back. <laughs> okay, I guess. In retrospect, should have been placing some bets, but we all were excited. We didn't know what was going to happen. We thought no, no, no. Maybe. I mean, uh, no, sorry. Connor versus Floyd in MMA. Oh, right now you can bet on that. And Connor's only minus one thousand instead of like two thousand. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. You bet on Connor, you get ten percent back on your investment. All right, because he'd win. Is there any is there any moment in time where the book has kept too much of your money for too long and you can't get it back? Because that's what <laughs> apparently I mean. the fight the fight has to happen by September, so it's not okay. happening. All right, well, that seems too, that seems too too soon. All right, let's do uh let's do stuff we like and get out of here. Um, I'm gonna first off ask a question. Did either of you ever bring up the show Shit's Creek on no, this podcast? Never heard of it. Okay. Um, I'm going to toot this show's horn. Um, it's a recommendation my friend Hillary gave me, which fuck, I'm giving her too much credit on this podcast, man. I gave her credit for American Vandal, which in fairness, she told me to watch that too. Uh, Shit's Creek is a show on a channel apparently called Pop TV, but whatever. It's on Netflix. There's cursing. It's great. Um... It's a show uh, created by Eugene Levy and uh, his son, Dan Levy. Eugene Levy, I guess, probably best known from being the dad from American Pie. Would be the best, uh, his best famous role, famous role. But really, also, the Christopher Guest movies. Um, best in show being the most popular among them. Someone help me out with the rest of them that they did. You guys know, you guys know the flicks I'm talking I about, right? Yes, this was the one that I was familiar with off the top yeah. of my head. Um, but it's kind of like, it's him... It's Catherine O'Hara who play who's in those movies as well. She plays also the mom from Home Alone. Um, Stefan, I know you're a fan of this gentleman. Chris Elliott's on the show as well. Um, he's in there doing work. Um, basic Boy. premise of the yeah, the basic premise of this show is um, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara are rich people, um, like uber wealthy, and uh, they have two kids, uh, 
played by Eugene Levy's real son, and then um, actress named Ann Murphy playing um, their daughter, where they're just shitty rich kids, right? Um, it turns out their business manager stole all their money. They got to go. Uh, they got to leave their rich New York life. And uh, Eugene Levy, for his son's 16th birthday, kid's like 30 now, uh, bought, a, bought a town. He bought a town called Shit's Creek as a joke. And it was the only asset they had left because the government felt they couldn't make any, um, couldn't actually, didn't have any value. So they have to go live in this town. And if you enjoy Best in Show, that type of humor, you'll dig the show, man. It's really funny. Um, it's each season's 13 episodes. I blew through the first season. Um, they're like half an hour episodes. I blew through the first season in like a day and a half. I thought it was really funny. And, um, it's not, you know, type of like I mean we talk about Atlanta and how it's like great television and stuff like that. This is a good show. It's a you know, it's a comedy. It's not going to blow you know, it's not going to blow your mind and shit, but I really dug it. And um there's four seasons, I think. Or four uh four seasons, I think three are on Netflix. It's, you know, you have Netflix, check it out, man. You're running out of shit to watch. They're about to get rid of Always Sunny in Philadelphia if they haven't already. So, Shit's Creek. S C H I T T apostrophe S and uh, Chris Elliott is the mayor of the town. His name is Roland Shit. So there's that. Uh, boys, what do you guys got? Um, I got a few things. Uh, I saw a couple movies this past week. Um, I took my little niece to see A Wrinkle in Time, which um, that was my first favorite book as a child. Um, I, re I remember. I, <laughs> one of the things is uh, it's just the nostalgia effect. I more so remember how I felt about the book rather than any of the specific plot of the book. Um, and particularly, I remember as a little kid in elementary school, that book kickstarted my love of science. It just made me think science was cool. It made me think the idea of like, you know, portals and wormhole travel, you know, like just physics and astronomy kind of really coming into play. Um, unfortunately, movie wise, a lot of that gets kind of cut out to kind of just become a little bit of a pretty fairy tale. Um, my understanding is the movies had a disappointing uh, first couple weeks in, in the theater for how big of a budget it was. And it's kind of middling in terms of reviews and that I fully get. Um, there's definitely a lot of issues with it. Um, a lot of the editing is questionable. They cut out a lot of the science. I, um, but ultimately I, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I, I think it has great value if you accept it as like a kid's family movie. Um, you know, as an adult, it's easy for me to break down like very nuanced issues I have with it. But um, I think there's still a lot of good stuff in there. I think there's a lot of good messages. Um, I particularly thought, you know, there's really good daughter father relationship in there. And there's a really great brother sister relationship in there. Um, and if you happen to have that sibling dynamic, um, there's, I, I think there's stuff that'll feel familiar and it'll feel really good too. So, um, you know, if you, if, if you love the book, I don't think you need to see it. If you have a little one, um, I, I think it's worth taking them to. Um, and another movie that's middling, but I am going to defend ardently. Um, I saw the new Tomb Raider and I, I, I enjoyed it. It's a low expectation. I'm not going to say it's great. I think it's a solid start. If this is to become a franchise uh, box office in numbers kind of indicate it probably won't. But um, I think Al Alicia Vikander, I think she is absolutely stunning. And the amount of flack she's gotten for not being hot enough to be Lara Croft 
Um, basically, that is the uh, weirdo uh, basement loners who grew up on the overinflated boobs sexualization of Laura Croft. Like, they want her to have like quadruple D fake cans, and it's like, oh, her you know her boobs aren't big enough. I'm like, if that's really all you're basing it on, like, I don't really care about your opinion all that much. I thought she was fitting as Laura Croft in a way that Angelina wasn't. Angelina was pretty much the opposite. You know, they there's your supermodel good looking. I think Vikander is stunning. Uh, I, I disappointingly learned she's uh, Michael Fassbender's wife. Or he, uh, so good job, Michael Fassbender, and good job to you, Alicia, as well. Uh, Magneto's a handsome man. So uh, they're going to produce some mega good looking European super child down the road. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's for low expectations, I think it's a solid enough action movie. You know, it, it doesn't reinvent anything. It does have its problems too, but I had fun watching it. Um, and on the smaller screen, a couple things I wanted to mention is um, Lil Dicky is back. And if you were a longtime listener, you know I like me some Lil Dicky. Uh, he released his first single and music video off his upcoming uh, sophomore album. It's co-featuring Chris Brown, so I was a little eh about entering it, but uh, I'll give my props to Chris Brown. Um, in the music video, kind of reminds you that kid can act. Um, whatever you think of his personal life and him outside of his art, the d- kid can dance, the kid can sing, and the kid can act. He is a triple threat, even if he's been kind of a scummy asshole person in his personal life. But um, it's a fun, it's a fun song. It's a fun welcome. Uh, it op- Bobby mentioned American Vandal, and I'm pretty sure the guy at the opening of the video is from that show. Uh, so he has a little short guest appearance in the music video. Look, a little Dicky Freaky Friday with Chris Brown. Check it out. Um, and the other short thing I wanted to mention, I'm sure the fellows will have a comment on, is um, the first full uh, Avengers Infinity War trailer came out. It had like 14 million views in like its first like weekend. And all I got to say about that is hype, hype, hype. Um, as much as I love Black Panther, and I say it's the my favorite MCU movie, I love the social and political like overtones of it. When I saw that Infinity War trailer, I was like, nah, just let's go back to blowing shit up. Let's go back to people just fighting. Let's go back to cramming as many superheroes in a single shot as we can. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think Thanos looks great. Um, trailer looks great. I'm excited. Marcus. Uh, yeah. Um, the last couple of weeks I've really been, uh, not not a whole lot to to promote on uh, stuff we like, but this week I'm I got a shit ton of stuff. There's a lot of games coming out this week, and some really good looking ones too. Um, I'm actually going to start off talking about one that is for the Xbox One, uh, a system that you know I don't give a lot of attention to because I, I don't own one, so I don't have a lot of vested info. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, it. when did you get an Xbox One? <laughs> I, I didn't, but this game, I mean, and this is what Xbox needs: is these kind of uh, you know original IPs that are interesting enough to warrant someone thinking about like maybe I should invest in an Xbox One or a high-end PC because you can also play this on PC. Um, the game is called Sea of Thieves. Um, they actually showed it off a couple E3s ago. And basically what it is, it's kind of a, you know, a MMO type game where you're basically playing with a lot of people, but you're essentially playing as a pirate and you take quests to look for treasure. And I think what really makes this game stand out is that when you're sailing the high seas, you're actually on a ship you have to have someone that's steering the ship. They can't see where they're going, so you have to have someone on the lookout telling them to veer left or right to make sure you're not running into things. You have to have someone that is manning the sails and making sure they're catching the wind so you're going as you know quickly as you can. 
Um, and then you need someone that is down below looking at the map to uh, coordinate where you guys are heading and if you're heading in the right direction. And I mean, what they've done is basically taken a lot of the UI elements that a lot of games have, like a mini map that would show you that kind of stuff. Um, and made it so it's more of a cohesive experience with multiple people to sail a ship, right? In most other games, you just jump on a ship and you push an acceleration button and you go. You don't have to worry about sails and wind trajectory um, or where you're going. Stuff's just put on a map and there's, you know, uh, a waypoint on how to get there. And, and this game takes a lot of that away. I think makes it um, a lot more engaging because you have to work together just to go from one location to the other. And I think that's a big appeal of the game. There's still a lot of questions on, you know, how much legs uh, Sea of Thieves is going to have. You know, what are you doing after hour 40? Are, are the quests continually going to be engaging enough to, to keep you interested for a long amount of time? And that's stuff we don't really know. Um, but everything we've seen so far has been really spectacular. So if Rare can really knock this one out of the park, it'll be, you know, a nice feather in uh, Xbox's uh, cap. And they definitely need it. They've been lacking original um, exclusive titles on their uh, console for a long time. Um, and see if these just looks really cool. It's definitely a game that when I first saw it, I was like, oh man, I kind of wish I had an Xbox just to play this one game. Um, that being said, not enough to persuade me just yet uh, owning a PS4 and a Switch. I kind of have more than enough stuff to play. Um, which brings me to the other two games that are coming out on Friday. Uh, the first one I'll mention is a sequel to a really cute, successful uh, Japanese RPG that came out on PS3 called Nino Kuni. This is Nino Kuni 2. Um, What's kind of interesting about the original game is that Studio Ghibli um, was a partner for it. They did all of the uh, animation for their cutscenes, which were spectacular. And Studio Ghibli is, is not a part of this game. Uh, Level 5, which is a really popular um, developer for Japanese RPGs in Japan, um, is doing this one solo. Uh, reviews came out today, doing really well. I think it's like an 86 on Metacritic. Um from what I've heard, the battle system has been changed. The first one, you kind of had like these Pokemon-esque characters, these monsters that you would capture, and they would kind of fight on your behalf. And as the character that you played as, you can do spells every now and then. They've kind of gotten uh, away from that, and you basically directly control the different characters in your party. And, uh, and the battle system is more of a real-time combat, um, more of like the Tales of franchise than like a Final Fantasy turn-based thing. Um, but it looks really great. I definitely recommend checking it out if you're into JRPGs. Um, the other game I wanted to shed some light on is called A Way Out. Um, this is actually from the developers that did an indie game a couple years ago called uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Um, what was interesting about that game is that you played as two characters simultaneously. You basically, one character would be on one joystick and the other character would be on the other. And uh, it told, a, it had a really interesting narrative. And uh what I also liked about uh, Brothers is that you were constantly doing new things, right? You, you go to a level, you figure out a little puzzle, and then you go to another environment, and the mechanics will get switched around a little bit, and you're working with the two characters differently. Um, and ultimately, at the end of that game, it had a really powerful story that it told through gameplay. And it was one of those games that really stuck with me. So when I heard that they were working on another game, I was very excited. And what's really cool about this game is that, um, again, the story is around two characters, um, but this time you're not controlling both of them simultaneously. You have to work with another person. And that's kind of the catch on this game is that you cannot play it by yourself. There is no single player mode. You have to play either with someone um, online or someone local. This has local co-op and the director of the game strongly suggests that you play with someone locally. Um, but what is cool if, say, I bought the game and I had no one locally to play with. 
Um, but I talked Steph or Bobby into playing it with me, but they weren't interested enough to pick up the game themselves. They can actually download a trial of the game and we could play together the full game, the complete game with just me buying a copy. So if you know one person that has a way out, you can play with them for free. Why, why would we ever buy it? Well, one person has to buy it. No, I'm saying, why would the rest of us buy it, though? You don't have to. You no, is there an buy it because I mean, you would want to play it with somebody else, maybe, you know? Okay. If you just gotcha. want to experience the game, you could just be like, Mark, I want to try a way out. Let's play it. I don't know how long the game is, so I don't know how much of a time commitment it is. Um, but from what we've seen of it, it is a really compelling game where, from what we've seen, you basically start in a jail and you're two guys in jail and you kind of work together to break out of jail. And what's interesting about this dynamic of having these two characters is that the game is constantly split screened. There's never a time where my character is the only one in action or Bobby's character is the only one in action. I might be engaged with someone in a conversation and Bobby's character could be running around doing God knows what else. And um, from the pedigree that we saw from Brothers for this studio to get a bigger budget, um, I'm just really interested to see what they ultimately come out with. You know, it, it could just crash and burn, um, but I have a lot of faith that this will be a really interesting experience if nothing else. And probably of the games we mentioned today, um, a way out is the one that I'm most anticipating. Um, and I think we could get something really truly special and unique uh, in the medium of video games, right? There's not a lot of games that really force you to play with another person and the kind of scenarios that they've teased in their trailers leading up to this game. Um, have me really intrigued um, with just where this game is ultimately going to go. Cause spoiler alert, you do get out of jail and what's that like on the run, trying to meet up with your family and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of interesting things they can do, and knowing what they did with Brothers just has me really excited. There was one more thing I wanted to mention, because I don't know how I feel about it, and I kind of want to get more opinions on it. And I just stumbled a upon it yesterday when I was just searching YouTube. So apparently three years ago, Marvel made a Black Panther cartoon for BET, and they have basically posted those episodes up on YouTube. And I only mentioned that it's on BET because I wanted to give you kind of a frame for reference on kind of like the budget that the, the project was under because it's kind of, it's, it's, it's tilted. Is when this I the Marvel Knights uh, shorts? No, these are, these are like full episodes. They're like 20 minute episodes. They ran on BET. I think there's only five episodes though. Cause everything about, everything about it is like, it's good. And it's not that good at the same time. And it's really weird. Like at the end of it, I was like, that was kind of good. But it also kind of wasn't like the animation. Just just looking at how the show's animated, it already strikes that line where they're kind they're not doing the full like you guys have seen like the motion comics, right? Where they basically take comic panels and they add a little bit of animation to it. It goes a step beyond that. There's a lot more animation than what you see in those, but not that much more. And then just the overall story was kind of interesting, but it also kind of dropped the ball in a few places. And just to give you kind of where I'm coming from, like in the first episode there, the government's kind of talking about Wakanda and do you know about Black Panther? And uh, there's a fun cameo with a voiceover that you'd probably recognize instantly. And they're basically saying like, oh, Wakanda is nothing. You know, who's this Black Panther? And this one guy says like, oh, we sent, we sent the best in there. And they couldn't, you know, you, no one's ever invaded uh, Wakanda and survived. And they basically have, they show you in World War II, they sent Cap into Wakanda. And their depiction of Cap is really weird. It's kind of one of the things I didn't like about it. He comes off very dark nighty. He has this very graveled voice. 
and he's just like his demeanor isn't really how I think Captain America really is. But overall, like it was an interesting episode, and I kind of enjoyed it. But at the same time, like there's a lot of things that were just kind of weird about it. So it's free, you know. Uh, Black Panther is hot right now. Uh, it's on YouTube. I, I recommend checking it out and just kind of formulating your own opinion on it because it's very weird. Like there's things it does that are are well done, and there's some things that they just dropped the ball. And it was just I was I was perplexed watching it. Right? I was like, I don't know how to feel about this necessarily it was kind of good but it also kind of wasn't so uh well, um, if it's the captain america one it is the marvel knights animation is it I, i'm not yeah. i'm not as familiar with that so maybe uh, do they have other show stuff are you familiar with like that animation style it's kind of uh no these are the, i've only seen the one where it's uh black panther fights captain america okay um, that that's i saw that first episode um yeah i was familiar with that one i, I saw there's a few more episodes but i haven't seen those the animation style, it kind of reminds me of the Max from when, yeah, in, yeah uh, I can see that. Yeah, uh, it's, where it's kind of like moving still panels. It's basically a bunch of techniques to have a sh- cheaper animation budget. Yeah, yeah, like they have a picture and they just move it right. It's not really like animated as much as just like manipulating this image to. Yeah, it, it'd kind of be like if you use little puppets along a still backdrop. You kind of just little camera tricks here and there. And you know what? Uh, that's a good segue. I'll, I'll mention one more thing. I didn't I didn't know if I was going to mention it because it's kind of weird. Um, I, I've mentioned these guys a bunch on on uh, things I like. Uh, th- they're my go-to for video game videos on YouTube, uh, Easy Allies. They just had their second year, and after each year, they've done, like, a concert. Um, but the thing I wanted to spotlight that you can find on YouTube pretty easily is um, one of the personalities of Easy Allies is this guy, Kyle Bossman. I really like him. I think he's really funny. He on Patreon had a stretch goal to basically produce his own uh, like puppet animated show um, called Box Peak. And uh, he's been working on it for a long time. And during this concert last night, they actually showed the first episode of it. It's kind of like a riff on Pokemon, but this world where they play this weird box game. I, I really enjoyed it. I recommend you kind of check it out, especially if you like pokemon there's a lot of pokemon overlay on this one and uh just know that the budget's you know ridiculously low they're literally pictures he drew and cut out and then is basically puppeting them um but it was an interesting short little up it's like six minutes long so if you're on youtube check out box peak first and then when you have that kind of mind frame of animation then check out black panther and uh let us know what you think you know email us what's our email address bob where can they email us at uh, it's amazing at gmail.com. Boom. Go there. Let us know. Black Panther. Does it stink? Was it awesome? I can't tell. <laughs> um, all right. Um, couple notes before we go. First off, they just announced that Joe Rogan and Jimmy Smith are going to do commentary with John Anik for UFC 223, which just sounds like a lot of fun. I think, I think that's gonna be a good time for all parties involved. Three bold men. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. You can't, you can't have hair and we do commentary for the UFC. Dominic has the most hair, right? They should they should do a game during like halfway through. You know where they do the little like at the baseball game, they have the cup with the ball and they spin it around and you have to pick which one has the ball. Let's just have it be like pick who Anik is and just have those guys shuffle around and be like, do you remember which one Anik was? You just look at the back of their the head. Point in their head. You have to yeah, know exactly. exactly where that hairline recedes to. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so they announced that. Um wanna say uh Congratulations to Mark Henry for going into the WBF Hall of Fame 
And it's kind of mind-boggling to me that Mark Henry has worked for the U- for the WWF from 1996 until now without break, which is shit. That's just an impressive achievement in itself. Like, was he like uh, lifting uh, stuff um, for him? He's been working. Yeah. He was, was working impressive. up until... Every yeah, time you and, mention um, Mark Henry, I don't know if you mean the MMA coach or the WWE wrestler. Yeah, I'm, talk, I'm talking about the... Uh, Each one of them WWE comes wrestler. up from you about an equal amount of time. So yeah, I mean, look, man. I mean, you got to give sexual chocolate as props. And... um. The two of you that watch wrestling, all you all know that uh, if Mark Henry doesn't show up dressed in a salmon color jacket, there's no point to this whole thing. Um, and um, I finally watched all of the broken Matt Hardy stuff, which was kind of a cool internet thing a few years ago. And that dude's a goddamn twisted genius. Because I'm not saying it was good. It was just fucking weird. And uh, I come kind of excited to watch the ultimate deletion tonight. Um, even though I'm confident the WWE will uh, shit the bed, I want to see what Broken Matt Hardy, Queen Rebecca, Senor Benjamin, Vanguard One. These are all things, people. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the weirdest fucking B-movie you've ever seen in your life. And it involves wrestling. That's on tonight. I'm excited for that. And we end with this, and I can't emphasize this enough. I really don't want to see the president's dick. And articles where there's discussions of us having to see the president's dick just not like let's stop all this. Let me ask before why we, we get to that to, point. Why do we have to see it? It's just gonna be like on CNN, a pixelated picture of this dude's cock. It's gonna happen. It's just gonna ah, <laughs> oh, it's getting depressing. Um, all right, guys, we'll be back next week. We're gonna be talking a lot of bullshit next week. This just push. I mean, I might spend have twenty minutes talking about the ultimate deletion. No, I won't. I promise. But yeah, uh, there's no fights this weekend. Does did anybody look to see if Bellator is doing anything? Does it matter? I didn't. <laughs> uh, they're showing longest yard. That's what Bellator's doing. Oh, uh, it's 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 the longest. Yeah, Bellator's not doing anything either. What what are we? What are they fucking doing? Bellator doesn't have an event until the exact same weekend as Khabib and Tony. God damn it, Bellator! All right, guys. Back next week, as I mentioned, should have Lavender Gooms with us, who's always good for some nonsense. Uh, peace out and thank you. See ya. Later.